discovering new things, new places, new cultures. And I, I think for me, I, I, this is not why I started out traveling, but now I'm able to travel as a way to educate. So I like to encourage people to go to places where they wouldn't go to. Uh, they wouldn't initially think about going to. So places like Asia, I mean, I went to um, Tibet. Now, I don't know how many other black people have been to Tibet, but when I was in Tibet, I felt like I was the only black person in the country. And I was treated like the only black person in the country. Hey, welcome to Travel Tuesday Happy Hour, where we interview dope people doing dope things. I would like to introduce you to an amazing woman. Tell us who you are and what it is that you do. So, I am Dakin. I live in London. I was born in Uganda, but I've lived most of my life in London. And I would, for what I do, I would like to say that um, I'm a reader, I'm a traveler, I'm a podcaster, and Photographer, and when I'm not doing all these things, I work in the finance industry as a compliance finance. So, so a couple of things. Yeah, you are truly from the diaspora because only members of the diaspora can wear so many hats so gracefully. You know. <laughs> um, so, born in Uganda, now in yes. London. How did that yeah. transition occur? Well, I was I was just <laughs> kicking and screaming from you. <laughs> I was I was in boarding school and then one day my parents just came and picked me up and the next day we were on a flight to London and I was pretty much yeah I started going to school the the following week and yeah I've lived in London ever since so um, I didn't have a choice in the matter I've been given the choice I've probably developed a lot of saving and for um, my school especially my my younger schooling years because I think London was very challenging when I when I arrived. And so, have you been back since? Oh yeah, um, my father, my, my father moved back to Uganda in 2007. But even before that, I started already started going back. So I tried to go back every other year. Um, I was supposed to go back in January of this year, but unfortunately, um, COVID. Um, yes, things started happening with COVID, so I haven't been able to go. So I'm planning hopefully to again next year. I haven't been since 2017, and I'm finding that I'm really... Okay. Yeah. And, and so yeah. that kind of leads me to my next question, really, what got you into traveling? I mean, you did allude to this was kicking and screaming, but as a child <laughs> on a plane for the first time to London, did that, uh, did that contribute to your spark and curiosity to travel? No. <laughs> and um, I think after that... <laughs> Actually, in travel, I think so. I was about 13, 14 when I when I left Uganda, and I didn't travel after that until I was in my late twenties. So I didn't actually get back into traveling until I think the first time I, I got on a plane was on a trip to the Caribbean, and my friends said, "You know, let's do something different." And I think that is what part of my desire to travel. I, I went to Barbados and I saw how absolutely beautiful it was. And then I realized how much I was missing the sun. You don't get very much, very much sunshine in England. And so I decided well, actually I wanted to spend more time in the sun. And then after that, I made I tried to travel every year to somewhere new. And then every year, became, or once a year. And then after that, once a year just became too short. 
and then twice twice a year, and then now I do at least three four times a year somewhere different. Absolutely became addicted after I think after two years of doing, I became absolutely addicted, and now I find that I can't stop. I find that um, if I'm not traveling, I don't feel right within. I absolutely love it. I mean, travel is therapy for a lot of us, and especially yeah, in a time like this when we can't travel. Mm-hmm. All we can experience in your is all we can now travel wise experiences through stories, right? So, exactly. so tell me about um, this planning out for this first trip to the Caribbean. Was it a hey girls, let's go, or it was like a it was like 30 people and then it wind down to five people? And you know, how did that turn out for you? So, it was it started off as three people. Luckily, this was a small group, it started off as three people and one thing to go. And then uh, we talked about it, talked about where we want to go. And then one person wasn't really sure when it came to them to pay the, pay the deposit. And because I hadn't really been anywhere, this is for me, other than coming to the UK, this is like my first experience traveling. I wasn't really sure what to expect. But in the end, I just decided, you know what? Okay, even if it's just a tour bus, I'm going to pay my deposit anyway. I want to just do something different. And so I paid my deposit, and, and at the end, it was just the two of us. But I sort of um, understand when it, comes to, when it comes to planning a trip, it, it is very, very difficult to get people, number one, to agree. People at the beginning would say, oh, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then all of a sudden, um, when it comes to putting down a deposit, the numbers go down, and then slowly, slowly, you really get to see the I think. Um, I've traveled solo and I've also traveled as part of the group. And the last trip I organized was initially started about 20 people. And then by the time we got to traveling, there was only nine of us together. So, <laughs> yes, so it, 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 it is tough to organize a trip and to get everybody to agree on what to do. But I'm lucky now that I have a really good set of friends that I travel, travel with. and. If I want to do something or rent something to go somewhere, I know who's serious and who's not. And so I just send out a quick message. And when they do come to me and they say that they want to go, now I know that actually they are serious and they will go. So I'm very lucky in that respect now. But it's taken a while to get there. Uh, I, I can only un- I can only I can only imagine. So mm. as far as that first trip to the Caribbean, what was that like? Right? Because you mentioned that. Um, you did. You forgot how much you enjoy the sun, right? Yeah. And we all know London is hit or miss when it comes to great weather. So tell us about that <laughs> trip. The time. <laughs> so tell us how that trip kind of, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of reminded you of how the sun made you feel back home. Uh, where do I begin? First of all, it was just as soon as I came out of the aeroplane, and this, so when when we landed, um, you do you don't have a walkway through which you go, you go through. You actually climb the stairs and you come down on the flight, and then you hit the um, you get outside. So as soon as the plane landed, the first thing I felt on my skin was hot sunshine, and I hadn't felt that in like forever. And so that was just amazing. Just, just being in the hot sunshine. I mean, because I hadn't been in that for so long, I think I just started drinking fresh. <laughs> but it was good fresh. I enjoyed it. And then walking into the um, airport and just seeing people who looked like me, 
that again just took me back to being home because you know you you, you forget when you when you live somewhere like this you kind of forget that actually there are places where the majority of people look at you. So for me, just stepping out into an airport where most of the people looked like me was absolutely amazing. And then I when I when I finally went into the um the hotel and started walking around, I saw mangoes, plenty mangoes, I saw guavas, I saw sugarcane and all of these foods I hadn't seen for such a long time and it was just so amazing. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And I think that really did inspire me to go home the following year because I hadn't been home since I'd come. And going to Barbados just made me want to go home and the following year booked an internship to go home. That's yeah, amazing. amazing. That, that's amazing because, um, you know, my family is from Haiti. And mm-hmm. every time I travel to either an African country or the West Indian, the West Indies, um, I start to notice familiarities in the food, in the culture, in the scenery. Because it's like everywhere has one architect that kind of builds everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this past year I went to Ghana. And, you know, I know a lot of the um, descendants um, from Africa didn't necessarily land in Haiti. But it's like mm-hmm. you look at the culture, you look at the scenery, you look at the the and you look at everything and you're like, whoa, this reminds me of going back to Haiti, you know. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm saying, whoa, Haiti reminds me of going to Africa. And so, it, you know, having these experiences really kind of give you a different perspective on how, you know, no matter how far disconnected we are from the continent, everything mm-hmm. has a way of bringing us back. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, what's been, do you have like a top five places you've been so far? Yes. Um, actually, that, that's actually quite hard to choose, but I have countries that I was just like amazed and I'll go back to over and over again. If, if there were not enough countries already in the world, <laughs> <laughs> that I want to see. But yeah, so I think um, top of my list, my top five, and in no particular order, I would definitely have Cuba. Absolutely, absolutely love Cuba. Cuba is one of the places, as soon as I landed, I just felt at home. I don't know what it was, maybe the smell of petrol or the heat, but as soon as I landed, I was at home. So Cuba, definitely. Uh, Japan, I absolutely love Japan. Japan is so, so different. Um, so busy, it's so bright, and the food is absolutely amazing. So definitely Japan. I love Ghana. Um, I've been to Ghana twice now, and I would go back again. In fact, even with COVID, I still want to go back this Christmas. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so definitely Ghana. I absolutely loved and loved and loved Rwanda. Now, Rwanda is not on many people's list. But actually, it's amazing. It's so lush. It's so green. People are so friendly. And of all the African countries that I've been to, it's the most organized. <laughs> so I, I like that aspect of it. And then I think the fifth one, I would say Namibia. Namibia because it's so varied. It's one side absolutely dry, arid desert. So skinny, crazy people. And then the other side, you have winter weather. <laughs> So, so you can drive from one end, from desert one end, and then to complete, to, so from 45 degrees, 16 degrees, same country. And then it has amazing wildlife and rock formation. It's just, yeah, 
and obviously did other media as well. But yeah, I think those would be my top five, but there's so many others that I could have changed Okay, I need, to, I need to. So now that we're friends, I don't see why <laughs> I'm not on your next set of trips, right? So <laughs> I'll just make sure I'll keep my eye out for whenever you post. I'll just make sure uh-huh. I put my deposit so I can make it out there with you. Um, uh-huh. I, like, I like the fact that you brought up Rwanda and Namibia. Yeah, there you go. You, you got it. Um, because these aren't the most luxurious locations um that, that's presented right i'm not saying it's not but that's presented and then number two there's a lot of i don't want to say propaganda but not necessarily a lot of positive around that right and i appreciate what what draw you to go to both countries um despite the exposure right um because mm-hmm. the first time i hope some of my guests are some of my um listeners are like oh wow I never thought of Rwanda, you know, mm-hmm. um, everybody's thinking of coastal countries because, you know, um, those are probably most popular with beaches and uh, access to water. But what, what made you select those two of all? Right. So Rwanda, Rwanda's next to Uganda. And I was feeling, so I took a year out um, from work and actually went into Africa. And through most of that, I was traveling within Africa. So during that time, I, I, was, I was in Uganda for three months and I was feeling a bit bored. I just decided to hop on a bus and go to Rwanda. It wasn't planned, it was just a spontaneous thing. I just got on a bus, didn't have anywhere to stay, but decided I'll find somewhere to stay when I got there. And so Rwanda was sort of discovered by accident. I really didn't plan, plan to go. And I was just really pleasantly surprised. I know um, Rwanda's mainly known for the genocide and for a whole lot of people dying. But they have moved on from that. I mean, President Kagame, yes, there's a bit of controversy as to how he's leading the country. But actually, um, I think that he he has done a good job. Rwanda from where it was, from when it was at war to Rwanda now, it's a very different country. Um, You have, as I said earlier on, it's one of the more organized African countries I've been to. Um, you have working traffic lights, you have the banned plastic bags, you have, uh, you do have the motorcycle um, taxis, but actually everyone of them is required to wear a helmet for safety reasons. So, and the roads are clean. Every Saturday, every one Saturday, every month, everybody is encouraged to go out and clean the streets of, in, in the country. So, it's a very, for me, I, I think it's a very organized country. And it's Oh, it's a really, really, really beautiful. It's, I think, called the Land of the Thousand Hills. Um, the French call it the Land of the Thousand Hills. It's very hilly. And as you drive through the country, you're constantly dipping into valleys and hills. And then also, um, the other good, really good thing about it is the climate. It's not as hot <laughs> as some of the African countries. So there's just so much um, about Rwanda that's great. And so I loved that about it. And so um, I went there the first time, I said by accident, and actually the second time I just wanted to experience the culture. It is next to Uganda, and you do have a lot of um, people from Rwandan origin in Uganda as well. So I knew a little about the culture, but not very much. The second time I went, it was just for the culture. So there was a lot of dances, there was a lot of museums, and I guess this time I decided to interact with more, more with people in the streets. And so it was just more of a cultural discovery of the country. But as I did discover the actual very, very 
Now, in the media, on the other hand, I decided um, at the end of last year to do um, a trip from Cape Town all the way to Victoria Falls. And Namibia just happened to be in the middle. I mean, I hadn't really been to Southern Africa. And so I thought, you know, it would be really, really a good trip to actually see the whole of Southern Africa. And it would be really great if I could just do it most of it at, um, uh, at the same time. So the trip took me from Cape Town and driving through Namibia. And that's how I managed to cover really beautiful, vast country. And so many different tribal groups. So many different types of landscapes. And yet, yes, the food as well. It's been very. The one thing that saddened me about Namibia is that um, up, up until the 1980s, it was still a uh, colony of South Africa. And so you have a lot of South, white South Africans owning a lot of the land. So as you drive through, all the wine vineyards are owned by white South Africans, the Afrikaners. Um, when you get to places like um, Waverley, all the shopping centers that were owned by um, uh, Afrikaners, um, the beautiful properties, again, they're all owned by the white Africans. So that kind of really saddened me about the country. And then I went to a city called Sakmond. And Sakmond is the German, basically. The street names are German. The beer halls and the pubs are German. The people are German. I, went, I was there on Christmas Eve. And it was just full of Germans. And I've never been anywhere on the African continent where I just thought, like I was in Africa. So South Africa and Namibia, I really did not feel like I was on the African continent because there's a lot of um, European influence and there are a lot of Europeans within um, that part of the continent. You do see, um, I mean, there are black people and the majority are black people. But unfortunately, they're not in the, the position of wealth. Most of the things and most of the hotels that you stay in, most of the um, places that you go to eat, they're all white owned. So that kind of really pains me. And I think, <laughs> I think that even pained me more was as a black person, I was treated worse than the white people that I was traveling with were. So in some places, I was assumed to be one of the one of the guides or um uh well yeah one of the guides or someone helping out with the white tourists. So and then other places when I went to a restaurant to get something to eat, um although I'm standing at the bar waiting, another white person would come and then they'll get served before I was served. So things like that really pain me because I'm thinking to myself, I'm at home, I am on the continent. If these people came here to the UK, for example, they wouldn't get the preferential treatment that they're giving the white tourists. So I, I did try to educate. I don't think I got very far. But yeah, so those are some things that really I discovered, I found out when I was out there. So that's, that's interesting. Um, so with that said, what still drives you? I mean, that I, I know that wasn't the majority of your experience while traveling. So what, what drives you to travel today? Discovering new things, new places, new cultures, and I, I think for me, I, I this is not why I started out traveling, but now I'm able to travel as a way to educate. So I like to encourage people to go to places where they wouldn't go to, uh, they wouldn't initially think about going to. So places like Asia. I mean, I went to um, Tibet 
Now, I don't know how many other black people have been to Tibet, but when I was in Tibet, I felt like I was the only black person in the country. And I was treated like the only black person in the country because people were shocked when they saw me. So um, I like to use it as an education because I feel like if we do not go to these places, these people are going to be, remain ignorant about us. And I also find it as a way for us to educate ourselves. Um, and when you go to places like this, you learn so much about humanity and just the different cultures, the different food, the origins of certain things. Like for example, Asia, the religion, the Buddhism and so on. You learn about the origin, where these things came from, you practice yoga. I mean, most of the time you don't even know where yoga came from. So by going to these places, I find that I enrich my, my understanding. Thing. But the other thing that drives me to travel is because I just don't feel at home anywhere. <laughs> I always feel as if I have to be on the road. If I'm, in, if I'm at home here, I don't feel at home in London. But with Uganda, I spend a certain uh, number of months in Uganda, I do not feel like I'm at home. So I kind of feel like I'm really a global citizen. I just don't feel like I belong anywhere. I just constantly have trouble. And I think the other thing is there are so many things that you can't see if you don't travel. For example, if you, um, I hike, I hike up mountains, and there's certain views that you can only see when you're on the top of a mountain. You're not gonna get it from a helicopter, you're not gonna get it from below, you have to walk up there to be able to see it. So those are the kind of things that inspire me. And, and the other thing actually that I forgot is meeting people. I like, <laughs> I like, I like meeting people. I like to discover new factors and talk to people. And I think I have made friends in so many different countries that I would not have, I would not, would not have been able to do had I not traveled to those places. So yeah, this is the thing that made me constantly want to have my back and I mean, that would convince me as well. I mean, there's there's no reason why any of that wouldn't wouldn't convince me to travel. Um, so I want to I want to go back to a couple of things that you mentioned. Um, I, I want to bring up, um, you know, in a, in a time where we're in right now, we have SARS mm-hmm. going on in in Nigeria. We have um, civil unrest here in the United States. You mentioned yeah. Rwanda is not the Rwanda it used to be. You mentioned mm-hmm. being treated um, as part of the help or being treated yeah. um, differently while you were in certain parts of South Africa. Like, tell me, as, as, as you've experienced your travels, right? I mean, I'm not sure how much experience you've had here in the United States, but as a person of color, how, how have you been treated? Um, I, I, have, I think in my experience in the U.S., um, I can't have been treated any differently to how I'll be treated in the U.K., so I don't think I really had that much of an issue um, with the US. Other parts of the world um, have been interesting. So um, in China, uh, in China, um, a lot of people, a lot of people stare. <laughs> um, I, and I get a lot of people coming to take pictures. Some people ask, some won't. Some will just come and hand you their children and say, <laughs> and then you just have to hold the child and, <laughs> and take a picture. Um, so now I kind of joke around with people that I charge. So for every picture that they, they, want, they want to take, they have to pay me some money. And I find that kind of breaks the ice. At the beginning, I, 
I really struggled with it. Um, I I used to get really agitated. And I used to get really frustrated when everywhere I went, people were staring, people were looking at me. Now, I just see it as curiosity. And yes, you will find instances where people are actually intentionally being racist. I mean, I've been to places in China where people are doing monkey signs. Many people who are racist. However, I find that actually, most of the time, people, they're just not seeing black people in person. So they're just curious. And most of the time if you try to engage, even if you don't speak the language, they'll try and speak to you and try and actually get to know you. And it's on most of the time it's just a curiosity thing. So now rather than getting offended, I just try and engage with people and try and educate them. And I, th I find that that works better because they're learning about me and my culture. And at the same time, I'm learning about them. So I try not to see it um, as I did at the beginning, at the beginning, I just thought, you know, these people are racist, these people are treating me th this way. Now I just try and see it the other way and just try, unless someone is being intentionally racist and I, I, I'm aware that they're actually calling me names or making derogatory comments or signs. Unless they're doing that, now I actually just see it as someone's just curious. And um, within the African continent itself, other than... Um, the instances where, I mean, I, 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 this actually happens a lot. It happens in Uganda, it happens in Kenya, um, where, <laughs> so <laughs> in Kenya, um, I'm a, most of the time when I travel, I travel by myself. Or if I'm traveling in a group, I try and get there before everybody else and just see the place. So in Kenya, several times I've been mistaken for prostitute. <laughs> Um, when I try to go back to hotel <laughs> to the hotel, I'm always asked, "Who are you coming to see? What are you doing here?" So that happens. I find that happens a lot. A lot. I'm um, also the other thing, actually, customs. I'm always stopped again because I guess I'm traveling by myself. A black woman traveling by themselves. I'm always stopped. My bags are always searched, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's my hair. <laughs> maybe it's the fact that they 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 have this assumption that black women traveling by themselves are much more likely to be trafficking trafficking drugs. So um I, yeah, the, the, as I said, I but now those things do not irritate me. I think after you've traveled a while, you'd kind of develop a thick skin. You just take it. You just take all these things in your stride. You 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 have a destination that you're going to. You do everything that you can to get to where you're going. The one place where I still struggle and I'm not sure whether I, I'll be going back. Um, so Egypt, uh, I had very bad experience in Egypt. I found people very racist. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know if I'd ever go back to Egypt. Um, I had the similar experience when I was in um, Tunisia. Again, I found the people very condescending, very racist. So the Arab countries I have tended to struggle with. So I don't know whether or not, I, do, I really, really want to go to Oman, but <laughs> it's kind of going lower and lower in my list because of the experiences that I've had in the other Arab countries. So now, yeah. has, so now has, have, have you have, asked have you your asked um, male guests or group members yeah. if they've experienced the same? Or do you feel as though it was more directed because you were a woman? Unfortunately, I don't get many male 
black travelers. And I would really, 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 really love to just take a group of black guys on a trip. I, most of the time, unfortunately, it's women. I, and I, I do find that as women, we travel more. <laughs> well, in the UK here anyway, as women, we just travel more than guys. And I've, I've asked, you know, why, why do you guys not come? Why do you not travel? And most of the time, the response I get is that, number one, they don't do organized trips. And number two, why would you want to go to those places? Um, so I, I just found that, I find that really, really irritating, the fact that you don't want to go to somewhere like, Bhutan, you don't want to go somewhere like Tibet. Why not, right? I just, I, I just get irritated when people just go to places where they know people or places where they're going to be staying in a nice hotel and, you know, eat the same food, see the same things that you see in London anyway. What's the point? <laughs> so I, 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 I find that, unfortunately, women, um, just my groups are just full of women and the women just are more adventurous. At least when it comes to black black people, I, I think um, I don't think I've been on a, any trip where there's been a black guy. Really sad. Yeah, that is. Really, that, I mean, you found one, right? Um, good. I, I will fly wherever you tell me to. Um, good. I'm, a, I'm I'm also a photographer, so if you need a travel photographer, here I good. am. Um, but no, I mean, I travel literally majority men. Right. Um, majority oh, wow. of my trips are, um, I do guys, I do a guys trip every year. Um, mm -hmm. I, I travel with some of my, um, friends from school. Um, but I do agree with you. The majority of travelers out there are women. And, um, yeah. during this podcast, I come to realize, um, visually women want to see more men talk about their experiences. Um, and I find that, um, there aren't a lot that's like open to talk about it, right? Uh -huh. uh, and so I'm working my way towards getting more, more male guests to talk about travel, to talk about why they enjoy traveling so much. And mm -hmm. this is another reason why I'm doing this. It's, look, I am traveling. You know, men do travel. Men do travel well. Um, and then I had um, a gentleman actually live in London. Um, he's, he um, does uh, fat men traveling right? Plus size men <laughs> traveling the world. And um, he expressed the same thing. You know, it's, we're traveling, we just don't express it as much as women do, you know, um, especially the men on the plus size. And he's actually triggered a, a wave of plus size men being more comfortable expressing themselves and being mm -hmm. able to expose themselves on travel, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I find that, I find that very interesting. Um, we are always, it's, it's been said, we're slower to the curve, to the, to the game. Um, <laughs> and so you women are always trailblazing. So we are always here to make sure that we can keep up, you know, yeah. um, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. But, um, I, I say that to say, because maybe, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that I've said that I've interviewed traveling said that, you know, um, they really haven't had these same issues, right? And so that's why I was trying to see whether or not there was, you know, a woman versus a man, um, a man's um, perspective on that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I've been to Egypt and I've been to South mm -hmm. Africa and I think it depends on one, I think at the airport, a lot of the times it depends on your passport, right? Mm -hmm. um, and two, um, I think a lot of times it depends on the accent, right? Uh -huh. um, 
depending on where you're coming from, they know not to mess with you, right? Okay. Um, and then depending on, I, so for example, I went to the bazaar in Egypt, right? Um, and one of the ways they identified people is by blurting out random things in the air to see how people react. So for uh-huh. example, um, at the bazaar, which is the big market of, of all the things in um, Cairo, um, one of the guys, hecklers, was like, welcome to Alaska, right? So all <laughs> the Americans would laugh, exactly, right? And so if you understand, <laughs> you laughed because he said, welcome to Alaska, you speak English or you understand uh-huh. English and you know he's not from there, which allows him to trigger to all the merchants to hike up their prices whenever you come around. Uh-huh. You know, so we're targeted in ways that we don't even know sometimes when we travel. So mm-hmm. what I do a lot of times, um, I speak Creole and the person I went with speaks French. Um, I can understand French. I just can't respond mm-hmm. in French. So uh-huh. we'll just speak the language other than English so that we don't get caught. And she was bartering in French and making sure that she can get her price so that we wouldn't get the American slash um, European prices. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So. Um, I, I say that to say, I think it depends on the person. Um, it depends on um, the, the way you approach the experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my guests says, respect the culture, you know? Yeah. You go in and, you know, a couple of things I learned how to say is um, shakram. Sh- no, thank you was shakram, right? Shakra? Shakra, yeah, there we go. To say thank uh-huh. you. Um, to say, you know, certain things, good morning, like depending on the language, because it makes a difference on how they treat you. Because if they yes. see that you're taking an effort, they can respond mm-hmm. on time. So I say all that to say, um, I'm interested to see when you do have more male experience, more male uh, travelers to see what that experience is at a later time. So, you know, season four and five, I might come back to you be like, hey, how has things changed? <laughs> right. Um, I am looking forward to more male travelers joining, actually. And yes, I, I, I myself would like to see what the experience would be, actually just having a balance uh, of travelers, male and female, because mm-hmm. up to now, I still haven't, haven't experienced that. So it, it would be interesting just to see what it's like, we'll talk especially offline. in Tibet. We'll talk offline. We'll make that work out for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's move forward to um, COVID. Right? Yes. Uh, our new lifestyle, right? Um, yes. Where, where were you when things started to hit the fan about lockdowns and the numbers are increasing and how that's going to impact your life? Yeah, I had just, so I came back from Zimbabwe in January and things, I just began to settle back into work. And so, yes, um, I was in London. I had planned a trip to Norway uh, for February. And yes, um, uh, things got quite bad in London. So we began to, uh, it started looking like the numbers were really high and no, it wasn't going to happen. So I canceled that trip. And then, but we were still going into work. Um, but I think by beginning of March, uh, I think the company realized that I actually can't keep um, uh, making people use public transport. 
So they told us all that we could work from home. So pretty much I have been at home, <laughs> I've been at home since, since March. So yes, it, it, it has been, it has been challenging because I like to be out and about. Even, even when I'm in London, I like to be out and about. I'm in the theater, concerts. I run a book club. So we meet, I meet with our book club members um, once a month. Can't do that now. Everything's online. So I'm finding it really, really frustrating, really frustrating. Yes. So, Lockdown. so for a person like you and of course, like me, travel is like therapy, right? Travel is like breathing, right? Being able to experience yes. and get out of the mundane. How have you kind of adjusted? I mean, uh, we're now talking about the new normal, right? Yeah. Um, our new normal is maneuvering to open states, open countries, um, wearing masks, um, virtual life. Um, how are yes. you adjusting to all of that? So I haven't traveled anywhere. I've been a wimp. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I am hoping, I was supposed to be in Bhutan. Um, in fact, now I'm supposed to be in Bhutan. So um, that hasn't happened. I am hoping at least before the end of the year to go somewhere. And I'm at the moment looking at Cape Verde or Ghana. So fingers crossed it does happen. Um, with regards to adjusting, um, I've been reading a lot of, uh, travel blogs, not something I, 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 I was actually doing before. So just discovering what other people's experiences are. I have been um, podcasting. I started a podcast, uh, just something different to do. Um, what else have I been doing? And yeah, just uh, I've discovered my, <laughs> I've discovered my area. I never knew that I lived close to a river. I didn't realize that I had forests um next uh, 10 minutes walk from where i live so i guess with all the international traveling i have completely neglected london and the uk so one good thing about covid actually it has helped me discover just my locality and so i do a lot of walking um at where i have been doing a lot of walking until the weather changed so i normally do at least two three hours by the river um i go as uh, forest bathing and I have organized trips with friends just um, around the area or gone to their area, the areas where they live and just discovered, you know, what's around. So that's sort of been my new normal, just discovering local things and then chatting to friends on a podcast. But it has been a struggle. Okay. Okay. So mm -hmm. um, what... Um I'm trying to I'm trying to find this uh, this best way is like what got you into becoming a tourist in your own country again? Um, it's funny enough. Um, <laughs> well, I'm a tourist in Uganda and in London actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, in Uganda, when you live in the country, you don't appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. um, you don't really know much about it because you're always hankering for something that's different. So I think that's um, one thing that's actually come out of this is that I've wanted to discover a lot more about England, a lot more about the beauty, there's, because there's actually a lot of beauty um, in this country. You know, there are lots of, lots of green lands. There's lots of rivers and lakes, and there are a lot of places you can go hiking that... Mm. <laughs> 
I hadn't taken advantage of. So, I mean, I've discovered Seven Sisters, just just a, a whole area by the coast where you can go hiking. I've discovered the West Coast. Again, something that I never would never have considered had it not been for COVID. So I think, yeah, it's made me realize that actually um, there is a lot of beauty everywhere. That's one thing I've discovered. And then in Uganda itself, when I do, I do still do feel like I'm a tourist. Having been born there, again, as I said, when you live somewhere, you don't really take advantage of it. So there are parts of Uganda that I just don't know anything about, even up to now that I don't know anything about. So every time I go, I'm discovering something new. So when I was there, most of what I knew, the village where I was born, and I knew Kampala, and that was it. I've completely discovered Western Uganda where it's completely different to the north. The north is very dry, very arid, whereas the west is very fertile, lots of mountains. So it's completely different. And I think one good thing about being a tourist and traveler is that you just discover the beauty that is the world. It just it's, The world is beautiful. And I think more people should go out and see it. Amazing, amazing. So... With that being said, um, what would you give a novice traveler, someone looking to start traveling, um, advice to just get started? Okay, so one thing, the first thing I would say is don't wait. I think, um, I think for me, there was a time, uh, the reason why I hadn't traveled for a long time uh, before then I went to Barbados was because I was, you know, waiting for people to go with, I was waiting for the right opportunity. And uh, I've realized now that actually the right opportunity never comes and the right people are not there. If you want to go somewhere, just get up and go. Um, what's the worst that's going to happen? Nothing, nothing, nothing bad is going to happen. You will meet a whole lot of people. One thing I've found is that people who travel are the friendliest people and are also the most open-minded people out there. So when you do go traveling and you're on your own, you will always make friends. So the first thing I would say is just go, just pack your bags and go. And don't be afraid. Um, really, pe people are generally nice. Yes, you will find the odd person that's unpleasant, but generally humans are nice people. If you do go somewhere and you don't know anybody, you will make friends and you, ask for directions people are always willing to help and to give you directions so i would say don't be afraid and then the second thing i would say maybe start off i don't know somewhere close to home and then when you are used to somewhere close to home then you know start venturing out much further and then the one thing piece of advice that i really like to impart is just don't don't go where you know people <laughs> or where people speak the same language as you because then it kind of takes the sense of adventure out of it. Go somewhere far, somewhere off the beaten track. And I would say to us black people, I don't, I don't feel that we travel enough. And I don't feel that we appreciate traveling enough. And I find that traveling opens the mind. So please, 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 people, get out and travel. Get out and see the world. It's beautiful. Amazing. So that would that, be those, my advice. That's awesome. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't put in any better words. So tell us where what you have going on. You got the podcast, you're a photographer, you can do travel. I mean, you're doing a lot, but I can't do you any justice. So tell us what you have going on and where people can find you. 
Right. So I blog uh, cultureseekers.com, cultureseekers with a K. I um, run a book club, London Afro-Caribbean Book Club. So we, unfortunately, this is only for people in London. Sorry, everybody outside London. But with, with, with COVID, we are actually having our meetings online. So if you do want to join for this period, you can join us online. It's called the London Afro-Caribbean Book Club. Uh, we read books by Black writers mainly and Black writers from everywhere or books that are, uh, focus on the Black experience. So we, you can find us on Meetup if you search for London Afro-Caribbean Book Club. And then also, as I said earlier, I just started a podcast. It's with three, with two other friends. It's called Sisters, Friends and Guests. And we are on Twitter. We are on Spotify. I mean, all the other podcast, podcast outlets. And it's mainly it's Sisters, Guests and Friends. It's mainly a podcast about black women. And we're trying to basically showcase, showcase the experience of black women and especially black women in the diaspora. We're discussing the kind of issues that we face in the workplace, within society. We're talking about books, we're talking about travel, health, and we've just launched uh, really, really, we've had some really, really interesting conversations. So I'd say just definitely, definitely um, go onto Spotify and you find Spotify or Anchor, you find us there. And yeah, some very interesting topics. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, look, COVID created a lot of creative people. Um, mm -hmm. Some of us who didn't think they were creative, I don't think I'm creative, but I like to talk and I like to listen to people talk. So um, once again, I am genuinely honored to have you on the show and appreciate the amazing stories you gave um, and wonderful insight as to your experience while traveling um, the world. Um, and I mm. only aspire to see a portion of what you've already seen. Right. So, um, once again, I really want to thank you for jumping on the show. Oh, oh, thank you. I'm the one who should be honored to be invited to come onto the show. And thank you so much for having me. And yes, thank you, um, for the good work that you're doing, because I think it's really, really required. I think we need to show that us black people we travel to we have these experiences too and i really really commend you for the good work that you're doing <laughs>